the person that can suffer the best is the most successful. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan, and I'm more than ecstatic about this show today because this dude is a good, good friend of mine. He's a 10-year veteran of the U.S. Navy SEALs and has a 100% success rate at leading and planning 200-plus of the most challenging missions in the world's most intense environments. And now... Over the last 12 years, he's reverse engineered this elite process, mindset, and systems, and he's a trainer and coach to help extraordinary entrepreneurs and managers to create unstoppable teams. Larry Yatch, welcome to the show. Hey, Rick. It's great to be here. I'm excited for this. This is going to be a blast. <laughs> it is going to be a blast, man. I mean, we've hung out in the past, too, and I, mean, I think we closed down a patio or two a oh, couple yeah. years ago, too, man, and just had good conversations around everything, and that's what I'm looking forward to today because it's uh, I know a lot of your background, and what I've never talked about, though, really with you in person is kind of your transition. So let's start with your, because everyone here is Navy SEAL, right? And yeah. they're like, oh my God, that's amazing, which it is <laughs> absolutely amazing. Dude, why did you why did you even get into SEALs in the first place? So it all started with me in third grade with Top Gun. So I saw Top Gun and decided in the movie theater I was gonna be a fighter pilot. And I found out about the Naval Academy and all the best fighter pilots came from there. So before third grade was over, I was dead set on becoming a fighter pilot, going to the Naval Academy and started working towards that, which obviously uh, isn't normal, right? And not much about me is. And uh, then in about seventh grade, I found a book called The Men with Green Faces, which was a Vietnam era SEAL book. And by the end of the book, I was convinced that fighter pilots were pansies and I needed to be a Navy SEAL. So that was it. Yeah, the problem was I was not SEAL material. I was a skinny little dork growing up in Pittsburgh. If it had a ball or a team, I was useless at it. I was bullied really badly through middle school and high school and would have been voted least likely to be a Navy SEAL out of high school. And it was, I did get into the Naval Academy and, and graduated from there and, and through really just hard work and dedication, uh, forged uh, someone that was able to go to training, SEAL training. And from there, I graduated top of my class and chose to go to SEAL Team 3. So the direct answer to your question of why, it was a combination of proving to myself that what everyone always said about me wasn't true. Uh, the fact that bullies use their power to hurt people and seals use their power to help people. And I got to go hunt bullies on the main stage and being able to blow stuff up and shoot things, jump out of planes, just bonus on top of it. No joke, man. That's a, that's a crazy motivator too, isn't it? When somebody tells you that you can't do something or that you'll never make oh, yeah. it. Here, well, for me, it's less about the person telling me that, that I can't. It's more about my internal doubt, right? I'm internally driven. What someone else says doesn't really matter, but it produced enough doubt in me that I needed to prove to myself that uh, I could do what was, uh, for most people, impossible. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think of the fighter pilot thing, too, and I think you're a little too tall to be a fighter pilot now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it would 
and the jet trainers, my roommate from the Naval Academy was six, four. And they, when they get into the jet trainers, if you're going the jet route, you have to sign a waiver that says, if you eject, you're acknowledging the risk that you're going to lose both legs. Oh God. If you're, yeah. If you're sitting at, like, I think it's like six, one, you're sitting height, your knees are too long. So they get cut off by the, the, uh, as you eject out through the things, so you have to accept the risk that if you mess up in training and have to eject that you're losing your legs. Wow. Talk about pressure, man. That's yeah, insane. Don't screw up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Holy mother. Uh, this motivator that you had, the self-doubt that's inside of you, because I know now you, you train a lot of, obviously, a lot of high-performance teams and, and all that. Is that a, I'm curious, is that a healthy motivator, self-doubt? one for a certain limit for to a certain point right so anytime i one of the key things for being a seal is that external motivation isn't going to work so external motivation is only going to get you so far the guys that were in training because they wanted to press the girl on friday or prove something to their dad or prove something to the bullies they quit because that only produces so much power those of us that were internally motivated for any number of reasons. For me, it was, it was still a proof thing, but it was a proof to myself. That's a much stronger uh, ability to be able to, to produce more. Ultimately, where you have to get to is what I would equate to honor, right? Doing something for the good of the group instead of the good of the self. So in the first one, you're concerned with yourself, right? What do people think about me? That's pretty weak. Then what do I think about myself? Again, focus on the self. When you make that transition to not caring about the self and caring about the group more than the self, that's infinite power. And so everyone has to make that transition at some point if you're going to become a SEAL. Wow, that's intriguing. So do you see that transition over into an entrepreneurial space or a team space too, to where you're trying to instill that internally driven mindset? Well, yeah, I mean, we, you and I've talked about this a lot, yeah. right? So we see entrepreneurs out there that are out there to prove to others that they're going to, they're good, right? There's the guys that, that make a little money buy a Lamborghini and then the business crash and burn. How many of them are still in business? Very few. You have the ones that are, are driven by fear, internal fear, or internal need to prove to themselves. They'll make a, a functioning business, but they're going to be miserable in that business, right? They might have success, but they're going to be miserable in it. Once you transition into the focus outside, you can have success and feel fulfillment and joy in doing it. Wow, that's a, that almost seems backwards then, because I mean, with, <laughs> with being a Navy SEAL, because you're saying in order to be a SEAL, you have to be internally driven in order to get to a certain point. I heard you right, didn't I? And then eventually you have to not care about yourself. Wow. Right? I have to care about my team members more than I care about myself. I, if I put my concern for my life in front of my concern for their lives, we have a, we're at risk. So think of it from this, a real structural standpoint, you got one unit, one enemy unit, you got the seals, you're fighting, right? So you're shooting and you're both behind some cover. If I'm concerned about my safety more than I'm concerned about your safety, am I going to pop up behind the rock and shoot? Or am I going to wait for you to do it? Right. I'm going to wait for you to do it. Cause I'm concerned about my life more than yours. If I, as a SEAL, am concerned about your life more than mine, as soon as there's a need to take action, 16 guys are going to take action immediately. So we're going to be faster and produce more, more force quicker 
than someone that's concerned with their own life. So it's, it's altruistically selfish, right? I'm more likely to survive if I have 15 guys worried about me more than they're worried about themselves. If I'm worried about myself more than I'm worried about anyone else, I got one person worried about me. Wow. That's powerful, man. What's the, you were mentioning bullying too in this, and that was a drive for you to become a SEAL? It was a drive. It was one, it produced the need to prove to myself what I was and what I could do. And then the unhealthy part of it was I wanted to hurt bullies. Like I wanted to kill them. That's what I got to do. Right. Seals go out and find bullies and make sure they can't do it ever again. So that isn't the most, uh, the best motivator. I mean, it's not, a, it's not pure and there is some limitations to that. And, and ultimately in dealing with the, the post-traumatic stress of doing everything that I did, that was a, something I had to work through, right. Of having to work through that desire to hurt someone based on the fact that I didn't like what they, how they interacted in the world, right. That they put their own concerns in front of the group. Sure. Right? They hurt people using their power. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily them bullying you. It was them bullying anybody. And you just witnessed yeah, it. I didn't care. I, I see bullying anywhere. I want to destroy the person. And that's, <laughs> that works. And also yeah. isn't that healthy. Right. So it's been, it's been quite the progress to, to work through that anger, right. Being driven by anger. If we look at it, right. That's being driven by anger. If I'm, if I'm being driven by the protection of others, Right. The, the group before itself, that's, a, that's being driven by love. So what's more powerful, the light of love and connection or the darkness of hate and anger? Yeah. Light's always going to win. That's interesting, man, because I've always, I've always hated bullying. I've never really hated the bully. You know, and I've had my share of bullying in my life, too. And as I think back, you know, all the, all the fights I was ever in as a kid, yeah, it was always from someone who was like one of the bullies around the school. And it took a certain point, I don't know, to get me to actually respond. And it was almost like I knew that I wasn't threatened until a certain moment. And I would even try to, I would try diplomacy. First, you know, you know, like, yeah, I never, I never worked diplomacy. Yeah. So you're, you're ahead of me on that one. <laughs> Thanks. But I was like, remember one specifically of like, dude, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, we were just friends last year. And then he'd hit me, you know, I'm like, come on, man. I mean, it would take like, like you're sure you know, cause it, it, did it hurt? Yeah, but it didn't really phase me, you know? And then it was like the third punch, but dude, I, I recognized something about myself that when it got to that certain point to where it was like a switch, it was like, okay, now I'm in danger. And this person could do the same thing to anybody else around me. Now I'm set off to the yeah. point to where every single one that I got into, I had people had to have to pull me off of the other individual because it was almost like until I felt like that threat was neutralized, I was not going to stop. And it wasn't even just for me. It was for everybody else around me too. Well, there's, there's a, there's a certain power in rage, right? In, in expressing that rage, but there's a huge limitation in it because the, the thinking part of the brain shut off for sure. If you're in that rage. And that's, I think a common misconception of what it's at least for me. And I know my experience was shared by many of my team members. I can't speak to all of them, but you know, most, um, the worst firefights that I was in 
was where I was the most Zen, right? The most mm. in, in what I would consider peace. The reason being is there is no emotional anger in it. Like I wasn't angry. I wasn't, I wasn't scared. I didn't feel anything. And it wasn't a matter of being driven by that rage or that need to protect. It was literally just a stimulus response, right? There's a threat and we respond to the threat. And my brain, my thinking part of the brain got could completely go to rest based on the fact that the training that I did is knew that I would, I would respond appropriately to the stimulus. And that's where I talk about doing your homework. It's the same thing in business. You know, when you're in business, if you're operating from a state of emotion, emotional charge, you're not going to make the best choices. You have to do the homework to make sure that you can accurately assess the situation and be able to respond appropriately if you're going to make the best choices. For sure. I've noticed that too, that when I, in business, if it's, and again, the last fight I was in was when I was like 13 years old, right? So <laughs> I maybe have learned a, th a thing or two and have a little bit more emotional intelligence since then. Yeah. <laughs> At least God, I hope so. Right? <laughs> 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 but I, in business, I've noticed when, you know, when I become fearful and this has happened, you know, to where there's a situation and it's really only involved money. You know, and this is why I always go back to if I ever get worried about money, that's when I actually start to have, if you want to call them money problems, right? You know, to, to where it just doesn't materialize. But when I'm in a state to where it's like, it's just money, then everything starts to happen. You know, it's a, it, I, I re would relate that to the Zen state that you're talking about from a yeah. business perspective to where I can make clear cut decisions that aren't based from a position or fear or, or rage or survival. Well, this is, you know, we've talked about this and we've actually worked on this together. Some is one of the unique perspectives that, that I have is that the biggest limitation to most entrepreneurs growth are their unresolved traumas. And most people listening this, listening to this, especially in the, the light of talk coming from a Navy SEAL, the immediate thought that you have in your head listening to this is, well, I don't have any big trauma. <laughs> and what I've come to see a hundred percent true is if you're not, if you've been drawn into the entrepreneurial world, you had some traumas in your life to drive this because normal people do not choose this heart of a life, right? It just doesn't like they choose to be an accountant or choose to be a, a bank teller or choose to be a teacher, right? They don't choose this life that we've all chosen. And so your traumas have gotten you to this point and often produce some success, but they're also the biggest limitation to the biggest growth because the point of a trauma is to keep you in the past or keep you worrying about the future. And you can't make good choices from that. And being able to be in an environment where you can make accurate choices in the moment, that's where we assess the moment. We have our experience from the past to, to find the patterns and then make the good choices. That's where huge growth comes in. And no one's talking about this, you know, at least not from this perspective, because most people don't believe they've been traumatized. For sure. And everything you hear from most gurus, if you want to call them that, is do more, produce more, put in more work, get, you know, work the hours. You know, and I know we had a conversation for everybody that's listening to you. Larry is one of my coaches, an amazing coach. We had the conversation about what if it's easy? You know, that's what? scary as shit for people like it us right? shit. yeah you're like what are you talking about well, it can't be. then i'll be a failure right no yeah. <laughs> by the actual definition of success right people i believe have the wrong definition for success that success is meeting a goal or objective and if you 
if you define success as meeting a goal or objective, the next thing that you're going to say is I'll, I'll ask, well, is it, is success easy? Does it take work to produce success? And the answer is always yes. Like, yes, you have to work hard and struggle to be able to achieve an accomplishment and have success. And then I ask, well, what do you do next? Okay. You produce that accomplishment. What do you do? Well, I said another one. So that means that you're going to live a life of struggle with intermittent, with little spikes of feeling successful until you set the next one. So then you have a whole life that sucked regardless of how much, how many accomplishments you produce, as opposed to I've, I've changed the distinction for myself because I learned that in school, right? Work hard, get a good grade, get good, get, work hard to get good grades, get to a good school, work really hard to get a good school, get a good job. Right? It just keeps going to success is an optimized daily experience that's sustainable over time. And that if I'm having an optimized daily experience and it's sustainable over time, then I have accomplishments, but the accomplishments aren't the point. It's the daily experience. If it's awesome today and going to be awesome tomorrow, I'm successful. If it sucks today, going to suck tomorrow. And three years from now, I'm going to have something good happen. I'm a failure. Wow, dude, that's hard hitting. Cause it's a, <laughs> <laughs> especially for entrepreneurs because they spent yeah. their whole life work hard today, struggle today so that someday I'm going to have what I, I want. And then I get there and they do it again and again and again. No and doubt. That's why we're all burned out. There's a phrase that I used to use because I didn't know any better at the time. And I, I used to say, embrace the suck. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, like, put your head down, get through it because eventually someday things are going to be cool. <laughs> yeah. so you can, you can, you can have a life of having it suck. And then someday it'll be happy and then you'll do it again. That's what we all do. Mine was, I had it on the bottom of my computer. There's a difference between doing something and wanting to do something, which is the same thing. Like, well, I don't have to want to do this. I just have to do it. I'm like, yeah, that, that makes for an unsuccessful life, regardless of the accomplishments you produce. Yeah, no and kidding. That's where in your head, separate accomplishment from success. Those are two different things. An accomplishment is something that you produce in the world. Success is something you feel. I can produce an accomplishment in the world and feel miserable. That's not success. I can, I can feel amazing and not produce an accomplishment. That's success. Wow, man. Is this something that you picked up when you're in SEALs? Because I mean, 200 no, missions. not at all. No? It's the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Like a hardcore opposite is i mean within that we did nothing that didn't suck like there's nothing like i always talked about my experience with the seals 90 percent of the time it's the worst job in the world it just sucks i was gone 300 days a year i didn't get to sleep in my own bed and what was i doing when i was gone i was in freezing cold water scared of for my life getting shot at blown up i mean it's they took anything I used to like to do, like dive and jump out of planes and shoot and make it miserable. Camp, make it miserable, right? It was, it sucked for 90% of the time. 8% of the time, it was pretty cool. Like, oh, I got to jump out of a plane. It was a sunny day. Uh, we got to go shoot and I had some fun shooting. It was okay. 2% of the time, it was unbelievable. Like hmm. you could never believe that I got to do this thing or experience that thing. And so 
the whole philosophy of the seals is the person that can suffer the best is the most successful. So they, they built a machine that was the opposite, right? Think of training. They, their whole point is to make you miserable mentally, physically, and emotionally every minute of every day and break you as a human being, not so they can build you up just to break you. So you'll go away. And it's only those that don't break that get to move on to the next thing that just gets harder. And it's just those that don't break to get to move, go to a platoon, go to an actual team and have it get harder and more dangerous and more miserable. That sounds just like what an entrepreneur does to themselves. It does all day long. <laughs> and that's where I went into my, my first entrepreneurial endeavors were a freaking failure. We produced tons of money and changed thousands of lives and were absolutely miserable because I built it the same way I, I built it as a seal. Embrace the suck. You know, I don't have to want to do it. Just do it. Right. Produce accomplishment after accomplishment and make sure it's really hard and, and miserable the whole time. Like it was a mess. And as I started turning the corner saying, that's not, I don't want to live like this my whole life and started to say, wait a minute, what if I, what if I focused on producing an optimized experience for myself, my family and my team today and make the business support that not be a slave to the business and be miserable, like turn the tables instead of me being there to service our business. What if the business was there to service me, my clients and my team so that we all felt successful? Like, and then everything changes. Wow. How did you come to that realization, man? Cause I mean, cause it's, it sounds like there was a shift and it's like, Hey, I'm woke. I'm sure it didn't yeah, happen yeah. overnight like that, but <laughs> how did you? Yeah. So uh, it's, um, it's actually a somewhat sad story. Um, my dad, very successful, uh, built a law firm from one person to I think 220 lawyers in Pittsburgh, huge law firm. Uh, he was a, a state democratic chairman for eight years in Pennsylvania and a key, you know, key state, hugely successful person, uh, and worked his whole life to make sure that my, my life, my sister's life, my mother's life was good. And uh, finally decided to retire after all these years. And he and my mom, love of his life, 40 years together, we're going to start traveling. So they went on a trip to Italy for my mom's from Italy, always wanted to go there. I uh, had a two week trip, got back. And uh, three days later, she had formed a blood clot in her leg on the flight. And it, it mm. went, hit her heart. She was dead in seven minutes. Wow. And the literally... The day, what was it? A week after he was successful, like we all like someday I'm going to do that. A week after the day that he finally got to be successful, uh, the love of his life was gone and his life just went downhill from there. Three years later, he, I had to put him in assistant living. He had mental issues, money issues. And I realized that his life was going to suck for the rest of it. And so here's this guy that has done everything to make sure that everyone's life was good. He struggled and worked hard his entire life. When he finally got to be successful, he got to experience it for two weeks and then it was over. And I was in driving back from, from helping him that I was like, holy shit, I'm doing the same thing. And worse yet, I'm building that model for my boys and they're, I'm making, I'm doing it bigger than he did. 
they're going to do it bigger than me. And I don't want them to suffer like I have. And that's when I took, it was, it was literally, I was sitting in a truck stop halfway between North Carolina and Minneapolis, uh, right. Kind of trying to figure out what was going on, writing in a journal. And I, it hit me like a lightning bolt. Fuck this. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Changing it. I think we all need those fuck this moments. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, I, I could, you know, count maybe on just one hand how many times I've had that. And I hope that most people don't have more than that amount of Yeah, time. exactly. Because so, you got to build a whole lot of crap to yes. get to that point. <laughs> no, no doubt. No doubt, man. Yeah. You, you, you started SEAL Team Leaders, right? Did you yeah. start that before this moment that you had? I started it about four, three or four months after. So at this point in time, we were running three successful companies. Uh, mm -hmm. We had one company that did personal safety, self-defense in Minneapolis. We had a 10,000 square foot facility. We were training two, 3,000 people uh, a year in that. We had a second company doing student safety, anti-bullying uh, and leadership development for middle schools and high schools. At the height, we had 40,000 kids in the Midwest going through these programs. And then we had a, a leadership development company where we were servicing billion-dollar companies uh, in the kind of traditional consulting sense where we would show up and train everyone in the organization monthly at a series of, of other SEALs that would travel with me. And I was miserable. Uh, it was horrible. And... Wherever I put my attention, that company would do well and the other two wouldn't and it would suck all the money. So no matter what, how much money we're making anywhere, we weren't, we never got any, right? Like yeah. Danny and I, my partner and wife, never had it, never. We were always six weeks from being broke. We, I mean, there are times we're making millions, of, we we're making a hundred and almost 250,000 a month between the three companies and we're still six weeks from being broke. And at that moment that I got back, I sat down with Ann and said, I, this is what I now realize. We've created this prison where we're going to be miserable until someday when we're going to be successful, we're going to identify that we don't even like it and then we're going to die. And so we, we got to change it. So we sold our self-defense company to our partners. We shut down the school company. We fired everyone but one of our clients and we couldn't fire one of our clients because we had a contract for the next six months and we went from producing, like I said, probably 200 grand a month to zero. We had zero income. Hmm. We sold everything we owned, uh, all the stuff we had as a, our the house, cars, jet ski, all that stuff, sold everything and said we were solely going to live in places that brought us joy and fulfillment and growth as an individual, as a family. And we were going to rebuild the business to serve our lifestyle. And so that was the start of SEAL Team Leaders. That's amazing, man. Oh, yeah. And for anyone listening, up, I dude. don't suggest going this route. Like, you don't have to go this route. <laughs> don't blow everything up. <laughs> yeah. Or, or do it. Like, for us, yeah. it was absolutely gave us freedom. And, you know, the it's it was really scary for, you know, we had no revenue for six months or very little. And then to build it from thousand dollars a month to now, uh, we we do it. We just closed our first hundred thousand dollar month, and these are not big sales. I mean, it's it's a huge progression, 
for from where we were to, and we have a team that supports us i'm not doing everything yeah uh, it's a just a completely different model we needed to blow up our entire life to build it in a way that was going to support us and you probably keep more of the money now too <laughs> oh yeah see yeah <laughs> a lot more <laughs> yeah isn't that insane you can you can actually have less revenue but make more oh yeah and and we can see how we're going to double and triple this within the next year while still maintaining a small coherent team not having you know millions of dollars of overhead because we're building the business to serve first to serve our clients second to serve our team and third to serve us that's the purpose of a business is to produce feelings of success in its clients to produce feelings of success in its team and to produce feelings of success in the owners if a business is not doing it it is not structured correctly Dude, how do you even start to identify the things in a business that aren't serving you to, so that you can become in alignment with those three areas? Well, we, we can get, this is what we do, right? What yeah. we do as a team is help this so that we can get really detailed on all of these pieces, but I'll give you kind of the top line. Yeah, yeah. We, I look at it in six different areas. So this is, these are the areas I'm going to look at first. The first thing is we have to have clarity on where the purpose of the organization, the purpose of the clients, the purpose of the team members, the purpose of the owners. And that's a lot of purposes, right? You have to be able to have that clear and those align. The next thing and the most important thing for, for doing that is team. So most of the time, your issues in a business are based on you have the wrong team and or that team can't coordinate action. So that's where I'm going to focus next. If we aren't producing feelings of, if we're clear on what success looks like for our clients, our team and our owners, right? That's the purpose. Then if we're not doing that, then the team, it's not the right team. We're not coordinating action well. If we're not, if the team is in place and we're still not producing the success we want, now it's a behavior issue. So we have to look at what individual behaviors in clients, team members, and owners are not in alignment with the team we need to produce the success we want. After that, we get into self-regulation. So our ability to change behavior depends on our ability to self-regulate mentally, physically, and emotionally. So if I have clear vision, success, I have a good team, I have effective behavior, but I, there's going to be ineffective ones, then self-regulation enables me to change it. And from that, that's the core. Then we get into leadership. So now I have to figure out how to bring those four things from myself to everyone else. And then the last piece is planning. Now that I have individual high performance, I can lead those high performers. Now I can finally put a plan together for success. Wow. That's kind of our core philosophy. Yeah, no kidding. Is it, do you think it starts with the owners or does it start with the clients or the team? when you go into this or do you work on all simultaneously? It's you can't, you got to do all of them, right? Because the, what produces a feeling of success in a client is different than what produces a feeling of success in a team member is different than produces a feeling of success of an owner. So you have to do it from each perspective and where most organizations have is one, they don't know. Like if you actually ask them, they don't know what that is. If a company knows what those three things are, they often don't look to see if they align. And my job as the CEO is to make sure that the purposes of each of those groups align. They nest. Like I, I talk about the Russian dolls that, you know, there's always another one inside of it. 
they all look different. They're all painted different, but they're all the same shape. So they fit together. Same thing with this. Nice. And then each one of those I'm layering the same way, right? What, how do I team with the clients? How do I team internally? How do I team as owners, owners with the clients, with the team? You know, they stack behavior. What's the behavior of the clients they want? What's the behavior of the team? What's the behavior of the owners? Self-regulation, leadership planning. It, it just, it layers on all fun, all structures. That's powerful, man. You know what else is powerful is I know what I'm going to get you for Christmas now. Some, oh, yeah? some Larry Yatch Russian nesting dolls. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that'd be so epic. It's going yeah. to be you that's just going to nest inside yourself. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that is so good. Hope my team's taking notes on that, right? <laughs> Your last present, that, that uh, sous vide machine has been a, a staple of my life now. Awesome. So that changed my life. Uh, these Russian dolls will too. Yeah. We'll have to get one for Annie as well. Yep, for sure. Make man. bigger than mine. That's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. For everybody else listening, sous vide is the way you have to go <laughs> for oh, cooking pretty much good. everything. Yes, and, and lighten it up with a 2,000 degree torch to sear it too. That's, a, that's what brings me That's my next step. Yeah. Just get it from Home Depot, one of those butane torches. That's all it is. You got it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> open the valve all the way, man. It's fantastic, especially for steaks. I just just had Chilean sea bass in it for the first time the other day. Wow, that was like butter bass, man. Oh, uh, I I did salmon salmon on Monday, steak on Tuesday, and then we're doing leftover. What I love is the leftovers. Like you can just take the bags, warm them up, and they're as good as they were the night before. That's awesome. I love it. So let's round it out with this, man. What do you feel? Because you have a lot of programs, right? And for everyone listening, go to sealteamleaders.com and check out Larry, check out Annie. Just amazing people and amazing leaders that can transform your life by getting you aligned. What do you feel is a starting point or maybe the most impactful program that you offer? There is, it's a super easy question to answer. And it's based on my need <laughs> to do things the hardest way possible. Uh, it's not you this at all. is the last thing we created, right? Like it's, it's hilarious. The first thing I created is the last thing people should use. And I've just kind of gone down to this. And w this is by far the, the starting point for every single individual entrepreneur, or if you've got a team, it's even more important. And that's uh, the ability to pass, hold and accept responsibility. The entire purpose, like we talked about, we can't produce success as an individual without a team. So team is the most important thing in our lives. And the only purpose of a team is to be able to share responsibilities. And every organization and every person I've ever seen doesn't know how to do that effectively. We don't. And that's what blew my mind. Being a SEAL, if, I, if you committed to doing something, you did it every time and usually did it above my expectations. So I was spoiled. But like if, if someone says they're going to do something, they did it every time. I got into my first company and I couldn't get anyone to do anything completely, hmm. ever. Like it was 100% opposite. Like it was a rare instance that someone actually did what they said they were going to do to the standard of performance they accepted. And so... In every organization, imagine what it would be like if everyone, when they made a commitment, they met their commitment to the standard agreed upon. You know, what would that mean for the organization? Wow. It's, it's incredible. And so we have a workshop that is all it is, is a structural, hardcore workshop on 
how to understand the fundamentals of passing, holding, and accepting responsibility in a structured way. Like you literally leave with scripts that you use to, to pass and hold responsibilities. It changes organizations completely. And so that's, that's why I say start. I love it, man. Larry Atch, SEALteamleaders.com. Brother, thank you for being on. Oh, yeah. bless it. Everybody needs to hear this message, man. I love you huge, and I'll take off my shirt for you now. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> <All right. laughs> We're going to have a flex off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, brother. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.